Welcome to Healing Begins. My name is Pastor Gail Crock. I want to do a disclaimer that um, just simply to say, if you're on medication, uh, anything to do with medication and your mental health diagnosis needs to be done and directed by your doctor or your psychiatrist. We believe in counselors and physicians. And just because I'm talking about reversing mental health illness, it doesn't take away the importance of your doctor or of your counselor you might be seeing right now because they are very important. In fact, tonight, what we're going to talk about, how important it is that you transform your thinking into what God wants it to be now. Now, if you want to give me feedback, I'd love to have it. I'm going to give you my email address. My address is gale, G-A-L-E, at spiritualcareconsultants.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to hear your questions. So we know that the way we think is critical to what we do and where we go, and it's critical in becoming all that God has created you and me to be. So I'm going to go into a teaching right now called New Pathways, New Ways of Thinking. It's a teaching that we use right here at Spiritual Care Consultants in Hastings, and I'm just going to talk about how the new pathways that I'm about to talk about can really help you to recognize when you're operating out of an old way of thinking, and it can help you to transform your life. We always say that there are three parts in the healing process. One, God provides the power. Two, we provide you with tools. And three, you use the tools that you've been given. Now, although God is powerful, he is limited. Not that God is limited, but he's limited by the fact that he doesn't control our free will or our free choice. That's what limits God. So if I give you a hammer and I say go hit some nails with it, the hammer doesn't do you any good unless you use it. So really, you get out of a process what you really put into a process. So if you're going to a counselor right now and that counselor is giving you some good advice but you go home and don't use it, then you just wasted all that time and all that money with that counselor won't do you any good unless you put it into practice. So we say that there are three uh, keys to the healing process. The first key is Philippians 4.9. Put into practice what you've learned from me both in my words and in my actions, and the God that gives us peace will be with you. So the key word here in Philippians 4.9 is put it into practice. The second key is found in Romans 12.1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto God, which is your reasonable act of service, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and prove what God's good and perfect will. And it says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you don't renew your mind, you don't develop the new pathways, 
and you don't change your stinking thinking, then you will go right back to the old cycles of failures and loss you've been in for years. And so you have to make a choice to come out of the old and to come into the new. And then the, the third key is this. If you're going to stand on God's promises, don't violate his principles. Psalm 119 verse 45 says, I will live in perfect freedom because I try to obey your teachings. And so when I'm claiming God's peace for my life and yet I'm walking in unforgiveness, that'll rob me of my peace every time. So I'm violating the principles of God when I do that. So let's go into the teachings of the new pathways. And so pathway number one, forgiveness is not a one-time event, but a lifestyle. Very important. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 22, and I am going to paraphrase this, Jesus is talking to Peter. And uh, Peter asks the Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Now, Peter was feeling pretty good because according to Jewish law, he only needed to forgive three times. So Peter was willing to forgive seven times, but Jesus told him he must forgive 70 times seven, which is 490 times, which is not the point. The point simply was this. If you don't learn to live a life of forgiveness, you will be miserable all the days of your life. So we know from church history that Peter died, crucified upside down, and he had to forgive those that hurt him just the way Jesus did. And learning to walk in forgiveness with people that have repeatedly hurt you is a process, and it's difficult. It's easier said than done. But you can say, Lord, with your help, I want to walk in love and forgiveness. Now remember, forgiveness does not mean what happened to you was okay. Nor does it mean you let down your boundary and you let someone run over you. So you have to be wise. But you know, living in unforgiveness will just cause you misery. And we know from the previous teachings I've done that unforgiveness allows the enemy to have a foothold in my life, in your life. So we want to shut the door and we want to say, Lord, I don't feel like forgiving, but I need to. So Lord, with your help, I put them off my hook. I put them on your hook. We talk about God having a hook and we have a hook and we give them to God. So I think what we really do is once we give things to God, it's just so natural to reach over and pick it back up and keep worrying about it that we don't even think about it. So the longer you can leave something with the Lord, the longer someone stays on God's hook, um, the more you know you're getting better at what I'm talking about. You know, I used to say walking in forgiveness is difficult. It's like going down to the Rabbit River in Hamilton during spawning season when the salmon are running and to cast your lure across the river, the chances of you getting a fish on your hook is really good. Now, having said that, life is all about keeping your hook clean. So you can walk in forgiveness. Remember, we do it by faith and not by sight. We don't do it by how we feel. 
So sometimes we say, Lord, I forgive, and we got to wait for the feelings to catch up to it. So we got to do it by an act of faith, and God will honor it. Or you need to pray, God, as my heart is healed, help me to live and walk in a life of forgiveness with those that have hurt me. Okay, pathway number two. Healing is not a one-time event, but a process. When I wrote this, here's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about when you come to the Lord with your anxiety, your stress, and your depression, and you give it to him, you lay it at the cross, what do we do when it tries to come back again? Well, you just send it right back to Jesus. You give those feelings, those hurts, those emotions right back to the Lord. But when you do, you got to do step number two. You got to say, Lord, now that I've given them back to you, I ask for a new level of healing in my life. I ask that you would do a new level of healing in my soul in the name of Jesus. And every time they try to come back, just give them back to the Lord. Philippians 1, 6 says that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that you and I are being changed from glory unto glory. So just like forgiveness is a process, learning to walk in forgiveness and keep people on God's hook as a process, it's also a process to give those negative feelings and those negative emotions back to the Lord so that you are not carrying them into your heart and they're not making you sick. So giving them back to God, asking more for more healing on your soul, and then changing what you're thinking on is so critical to do what Philippians chapter 4, verse 9 says, to think on the things that are pure and lovely and are of good report. I know it's not easy, but with the help of the Lord, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Pathway number three. God wants us to live our lives in health and wholeness. Third John verse two says this, Brothers, I pray above all else that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. It doesn't matter how much money you have or you don't have. If your soul is a mess, you are a mess too. And your soul, what is happening in your soul will dictate and cause you to handle money wrong. You think, you know what? I know how to get out of this depression. I'm just going to go shopping and take the credit card and run up a big bill or oh, you know what I need? I really need to go down and get myself a donut. Yeah, that's what I need. And your soul can dictate how you live and how you operate in a negative way. The Bible says in Malachi 4 verse 2 that the son of righteousness is rising with healing in his wings and in his beams. Jesus is the son of righteousness and he wants to heal your soul. And he wants you to have a soul that is healthy and prosperous. Pathway number four, we're dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit every day. 
The Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. And we're dependent on that power every day. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. One of the words for Holy Spirit in John 14, 26 is that he is our comforter. He is our counselor. He is our intercessor. He has come to help us. And the Greek word for the Holy Spirit is paraclete, means one that comes alongside, one who is my helper. And if the same power, if you're a believer, and if the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me, then we need to tap into what God has already given us. And if the Holy Spirit not only lives in us, but he walks beside us at the same time, then when we're carrying burdens and we are struggling, we need to ask the Holy Spirit for help to help us carry the things that we're struggling with. Pathway number five, casting your cares on the Lord is a daily process. First Peter chapter five, verses seven through nine says, cast all your anxiety upon him because he careth for you. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone whom he may devour. Resist him, stand firm in the faith. And so the Bible says that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. You know what? The word resist means to take an opposite action, to eliminate, reduce, or stop. We are to resist the enemy with the word of God. The reason he's called a roaring lion is because when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he took Satan's power away. Now, it doesn't mean that Satan doesn't have power. His power is in his lies. So when he roars and he wants you to run in fear, but you say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, then he can't hurt you. So you have to resist him. If you don't cast those cares on the Lord, they will devour you. They will devour your time, your energy, your mental health. The cares will devour you and cause you to win. It's kind of like that old uh, game we used to play growing up. The straw that broke the camel's back. Well, it wasn't the last straw that broke the camel's back. It was all the straws that came before it. So cares will build up. Then finally, one day, you'll find yourself exploding and wondering why. Then you're going to realize you've been carrying way too much and you need to give it to the Lord. This next pathway, if we could just put this into practice, pathway six, taking every thought captive. Wow, how it would transform my life. Can you imagine being able to control every thought you have? How life-changing would that be? Second Corinthians verses four through five says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to the pulling down of strongholds and fortresses. We pull down every high and lofty thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. Getting a hold of our thought life is really difficult. But if you can do this with the help 
in the power of the Holy Spirit, then you can stop temptation, you can live in victory. Joyce Meyer says the battlefield is in the mind, and she is absolutely correct in that. We must set our minds on positive thoughts. Philippians 4.8 says we are to fill our minds with the things that are pure, lovely, and of good report. So what are you thinking about? What are the thoughts running around in your head? The Bible says that we are to take our thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. So that tells me our thoughts do not want to be obedient. Growing up, my dad raised pigs and we would go down and pick them up, pick up these little feeder pigs, and we'd have to get in the pen and catch them. Do you know how hard it is to catch a little pig and how fast they can go? It's the same way with our thought processes. It's very difficult to reach out and grab a thought and say, God, I give it this thought to you and then change what you're thinking on. If, if you don't change what you're thinking on, there will be like a power vacuum in your mind and something else negative will come in and fill it. And so you've got to take the thoughts Number one, give them to the Lord. Number two, change what you're thinking on. And number three, ask the Holy Spirit for help and strength. And, you know, and then the Bible tells us where to take every thought captive. So there are some thoughts, have you ever had this, some thoughts that you're thinking on that they don't seem bad. But once you start thinking on that thought, you wind up in a bad place that you never thought you would go in your mind. So we've got to take the thought captives and we've got to make it obedient to Christ and we've got to begin to control our thought processes. Now, I know what you're thinking. You don't know how hard it is. You know, it's hard to change your neural pathways. It's hard to change and go from one way of thinking to another way of thinking. That is very difficult. But with the help of the Lord, and over time, you can do it. Now, you might need to go for counseling. You might need to come into spiritual care for some healing ministry help. You might need to go for more help because you might need help in this area. But don't buy into the lie that you can't get better. Don't buy into the lie that this is the way you've got to be the rest of your life. Those are lies from the enemy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And I, in, a, in the book of Isaiah, Jesus said that he had come to set the captive free. And so Jesus loves you. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. He wants to put your feet upon a rock and give you a new place to stand. And so all these things I've been talking about on these programs are possible because with man, things are not possible. But with God, all things are possible. Now I want to speak to the person out there today that might just want to take another risk to hope again. Hey, hope again. I'm telling you, put your trust And you're hoping the Lord one more time. Don't give up. You know, the Bible says that when the thief is caught, he must repay seven times everything the enemy has tried to steal from you. 
I'm going to say today that it's time to stop the thief from stealing from you. And it's time to walk into the abundant life that God has for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that are listening and will listen in the future. I ask that you would bless them, keep them, cause your face to shine upon them, and give them peace. And I pray that you would give them the ability to go forward in strength and victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to this broadcast. God bless you, and have a good night. This podcast is brought to you by Tharnapple Flooring and Furniture, where beautiful homes begin.